Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. What a July 4th weekend. Come on. I hope you guys had a good July 4th. Who had an awesome July 4th this year? This, I wanna say happy Independence Weekend to you. Thank you, Alan. This July 4th weekend, I thought what a fun thing it is when July 4th falls on an actual weekend. It's like you get to throw all of the fun and the celebration at it. If you're joining from a different country this morning, I want to tell you, I'm sorry that you did not get to celebrate in our July 4th celebrations, but you can adopt it in the way that we in America like to adopt Cinco de Mayo and pretend that it's our holiday as well. You just go ahead and join in on July 4th, wherever you are from. I thought it was such a fun thing to have a July 4th over a weekend and then especially for us here in the Midwest, we got a good, sunshiny, hot summer July 4th day. Come on. The weather is unpredictable around here. And I looked out and I said, 2020 knew that it owed us one. And it said, the least I can do is give them a proper July 4th. And I, as we go through July 4th, it's impossible not to think, obviously, about freedom, to appreciate the freedom that we get to live in, to appreciate the country that we get to live in. As someone who has grown up in America, I think that it's easy for so many of us to take for granted the freedoms that we get to live in. We see them as fundamental to our existence, like oxygen in the air is my freedom that I get to live in. And maybe in just the slightest, tiniest form this earlier this year, we got a taste of what it might be like to not have all of those freedoms. We were asked to stay home, not to go to restaurants that we like to go to, not to participate in activities that we like to participate in, not to come and worship in the space that we like to come and worship in. And while it's nothing in comparison to other types uh, of countries, other forms that people live in, it was the tiniest taste of restriction. And you know what I found out about myself? I don't like it. I don't like it one bit at all. And while I followed it and I stayed home and while I understood why we needed to do it and that it was important for all of our safety, I learned about myself that there is something central to, the, to who I am about experiencing freedom about my right to go where I want to go, to say what I want to say, to worship where I want to worship with who I want to worship with, that there was something that in, on the inside of me said, this is not what I was created for, to be told where to be. And even more than that, I think there's something central to my faith, not just to my citizenship as an American, but something central to the message of the gospel that speaks to the freedom that I have been designed for. God created us originally in the garden to exist in freedom and in liberty and in relationship with him. And it is the central message of why Jesus came to restore that freedom, that liberty, that existence in his presence. 
So there's something about the weight of bondage, the things that try to entangle us, the things that try to ensnare us that hangs heavy on us because it's not what you were designed for. Galatians 5 and 1 says it this way. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He came to set you free in a moment. You were set free in a moment of salvation to live in the freedom of his existence, to come to that moment of salvation and then to continue to live in that freedom. It is for freedom that he set you free to live and to walk in the light of his freedom, untangled by bondage, untangled by past wounds, untangled by what has been done to you or what has been said to you, untangled by every weight of the enemy that he would try to ensnare you with. Christ came to bring freedom into your life. And then it says, stand firm, therefore. You know what that tells me? It says stand firm in your freedom because there is a pull, there is a desire, there is a weight to go back to the entanglement that he has freed you from, to go back to the rules and to the order that he has freed you from. There is something in us that wants to go back and lean towards the comfortability of familiarity. But instead he says stand firm in the freedom that I have called you to. So I don't really care for gardening, right? This is why. It takes a lot of maintenance. It's not a job that you do and then move on from. It requires a lot of coming back to it and continually tending it. So last summer, I got a really bright idea. Phil was in Kenya with a team from our church who was uh, going and helping build a school there for uh, some projects that we're connected to in Kenya because we are both a local and a global church. So our Vow Week is an expression of our local connection and commitment to our community. And then we have projects globally that we do as well when we're allowed to travel globally again. We're staying connected to them in other ways right now. So he was on this trip leading our team in Kenya and I thought, I am going to take care of our, our land. We don't have like a garden garden. It's just like basic landscaping. And even that is too much for me. But I was like, I'm going to handle this while he's gone. He's going to be so happy when he comes home because I'm just going to have like, this is my project for while he's gone. So what I did is I went to, you know, the, the store and I saw all the mulch. And then I realized they've got that permanent mulch that you don't have to redo every year or every couple years. It's just, it's like rubber. It's made and it's recycled and I love recycled things. And I was like, excellent. I am gonna get this permanent mulch. I'm gonna do the weeding really good and then I'm gonna lay it down and then this job is gonna be done. Cause I like jobs that are done. So I go through, I dig out all the weeds I can dig out. I spray it real good. I lay down all the permanent mulch and I'm like, Yes, Phil's going to be so pleased when he comes home because I have covered this job. So he comes home and I say, look at the garden. I did this while you were away. He looks at it immediately and says, is that the, the rubber mulch? And I said, yep, it's permanent. We don't have to keep doing it. And then he says to me, 
did you put down the barrier before you put it down? I said, no. They said, this stuff is permanent. Just got to put this down. You're done. I said, that's not how this works, Meredith. So if you don't know, let me let you know before you waste an investment on permanent mulch that you are meant to do all of the weeding like I did and then put down a barrier, this plastic barrier stuff, and yeah, a barrier, and then put the permanent mulch on top of that. That is what creates the permanency. It's not just the laying down of the mulch. So what I thought was going to be a very rejoicing moment where my husband was very pleased with me was instead a not as exciting re-entry into the country for him as he anticipated, either because there's something about sealing something after the job is done. And what we often do in our lives is that we experience the moment of freedom with God and then we don't go back and seal it with his word, seal it in his presence, seal it with prayer, seal it with healthy community. And so we permanently establish it in our lives and instead we allow ourselves to continually be drawn back to the things that so entangle us, to the things that wrap around us. And when I think about things that entangle us, things that hold us down, things that weighed us, I have to think my mind goes to Mark 5 and I think about the story of a man who Jesus set free even though he seemed so entangled. It reminds me in Mark 5 that there are lots of things that try to entangle us, but we serve a God who is bigger than everything that would try and weigh us down. If you want to turn with me to Mark 5, we're going to read through this story of a man who was freed from demons and freed from chains that were binding him and learn from his story of freedom, how to walk in our same freedom. As we come into Mark 5 here, right at the beginning, we're coming out of the story of Jesus and the disciples crossing the sea. And while we're getting ready to walk into a story of Jesus freeing this man possessed by demons, we're coming out of a time when they were crossing the sea and the disciples were fearful and were stirred up because they thought that the storm was going to be too much and overtake them. You might be familiar with this story. They run and they wake up Jesus and Jesus speaks to the storm to calm it. And then he tells the disciples, why were you afraid Why did you have such little faith in this moment? And it reminds me as I walk towards then this moment of freedom that's coming from this man that often our freedom is found on the other side of our storm. And so I wanna encourage you today, if you feel like a storm is at your doorstep, if this year has felt like it has brought you some storms and some things that are pressing against you, don't get dismayed in the midst of your storm. Don't let fear overcome you in the midst of your storm. Instead, turn to Jesus and continue to the other side because on the other side of the storm is a place of freedom that he is walking you to. Amen, church? 
So Jesus is getting ready to free this man, but it starts out and it says in 5.1, it says they came to the other side of the sea to the country of Gershians. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there, a man met him at the tombs and a man with an unclean spirit. It says that immediately this man met him there. Jesus has barely stepped outside of the boat and all of the sudden he is encountered immediately or suddenly with a man who has unclean spirits and it makes me think of how unexpected this moment must have been for the disciples who were with Jesus. How they have just come through one thing and they think they're stepping into the next thing and what do you do when something comes at you unexpectedly? When unexpectedly you had to shut down your business, when unexpectedly your work was sent home, when unexpectedly we come to moments where we find ourselves brought back into the bondage that we had experienced before. But Jesus always knows what to do, even in our unexpected moments. It goes on and says that he lived among the tombs and that no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with the shackles and the chains, but he had wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces and no one had strength to subdue him. So here we have this man who is already bound internally. He's already bound by unclean spirits. He's already bound by, by things that are tormenting him on the inside. And the people from the town come and they attempt to bind him more because they don't know what to do with the thing that contains him. And so instead they try another form of bondage on top of the bondage that he is already experiencing in an attempt to contain what they are seeing. And it made me look at my own life and say, what are moments in my life where I have experienced torment and instead of running to freedom or instead of experiencing freedom, I just layered bondage on top of bondage. I just layered his torment on top of another torment. It made me think about all of the pressure that you might be facing as you move back into your workplace and there are so many new unprecedented uh, restrictions, so many new rules, so many new regulations, so many new things that you have to experience that are creating a new form of pressure. And if we don't run those things to Jesus and find freedom in them, what we do is we layer a new form of bondage on top of the anxiety that we're all already fearing, feeling. What I like to call them is we run to the overs. We start over somethinging. We start overworking to try and make up for the anxiety that we feel. We start overeating to try and eat away the anxiety we feel. We start over drinking. We start overworking out. We start overspending. We start overrunning. We start over talking. We start over socializing. We start over sleeping. We start over TV showing. We start over something in an attempt to, with our own hands, gain control over the bondage that has grabbed us, when instead of trying to contain it out of our own hands, we should run it to Jesus. 
Because just like this man, whatever additional bondage you try to put on your situation to contain it, to hold it, to, to wrap it, to cover it, to hide it, to, to try and control it out of your own hands will never lead you to freedom because eventually that inner torment will work its way into your outer and you will throw off the bondage that had been put on you and the inner torment will still be there. So instead, the man comes to Jesus. It says the man comes, and, and it tells more about how the man has been hanging out in the tombs, and that when he saw Jesus, he ran to him, and he fell down to him. But here it seems you can see the torment that, that the, the man himself is crying out to Jesus, but at the same time, the torment that is in him is crying out not to be sent out, not to be departed, and it's that, that tearing of our lives sometimes, that there is the familiar that we know that we want to hold on to, and the calling out for the Christ-like living that wants us to pursue who he is. But finally, in verse 9, it says, And Jesus said to him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And when Legion replies, it's not the man who's crying out to be free. It's the demons inside of him crying out to stay. And it reminds me that Legion cries out and says, For we are many, because the voice of your torment, the sound of your torment, will always try to be louder than Jesus speaking into your life and it will always try to speak like it is more and it is greater and it is bigger than the Jesus inside your life. Whatever is inside you is not bigger than the God who created the heavens and the earth. How dare it try and stand up in the face of Jesus and say, for I am many, when he's standing there saying, I was there when the earth was formed. I was there before the beginning. I was there when the stars were thrown in the sky. I am the king of the universe out of heaven and walking around in flesh. When you come to Jesus, know that you are coming to a place to find freedom. And this is where he begs, earned, the, the demons beg not to be sent out of the region because they want to be where they're comfortable. So Jesus says that they can go into a herd of pigs that's there. And then in verse 13 is where the moment comes. It says, so Jesus gave them permission to go into the pigs and the unclean spirits came out. They came out of the man. And while all of the townspeople had tried to contain him in one way, and while the man had attacked himself in another way, thinking that it was him that was the issue and that it was him that was the problem, it was at the feet of Jesus that he finally, for the first time, experienced true freedom. It says they came out. And then as the, the herdsmen, they were pretty upset about their pigs, ran back to the city to tell all of the people in the city what had happened. It says the townspeople came out to see the man. And in verse 15, it says, when they saw the man, he was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. The man that they had seen chained up, acting wild and tormented, that everyone in the town knew about. We have left him out where dead things are because we have given up on who he is. We have given up on this life. We have given him over to the torment and believed that there is nothing else left for him. Instead, they saw him sitting there in his right mind because what was tormenting him had had to leave him in freedom at the hand of Jesus. 
And so then the townspeople, this is an odd turn of the story to me, but the townspeople become overcome by his freedom, overcome by the power that Jesus has, overcome by what's happened, and they, they allow fear to get in their hearts. Reminds me that everyone's not going to be happy about your freedom when they don't know what to do with it, when they don't know what to con- how to contain it, when they can't explain what has just happened. But Christ has come to set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And so the townspeople ask Jesus to leave and to depart from them. And I think, can you imagine having God in flesh in your midst and asking him to leave you? And Jesus does, because Jesus doesn't intrude into spaces where he's unwelcomed. And I think, how would these people stand there and look at Jesus who just brought freedom to a man, a man that they've known has been tormented, to a person in their midst, and then say, can you depart from us? It seems unthinkable to me. But then maybe it's not so unthinkable. Maybe we don't say it in as clear of terms all the time, but we let other things come into our space and we choose other things over pursuing his presence. We choose to fill our minds and our hearts and our calendars with other activities besides pursuing who God is, besides lifting his up. And and in our own way, we ask Jesus to depart from us instead of saying, be welcome in this place. But not the man who just experienced freedom. He knew a good thing when he saw it, and he ran after Jesus, and he asked Jesus, who was starting to get back into his boat with his disciples and go on his way, can I come with you? Let me now come with you, because this man has finally experienced freedom at the hands of Jesus. But in verse 19, and going through 20, it says, and Jesus did not permit him, but rather said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Everyone marveled because they knew of his torment. They knew of his bondage. But now they saw him in his right mind. And the man began to proclaim right there where he was. I think of how much easier it would have been, how much more comfortable it would have been for that man to get on that boat and leave where he had been and follow Jesus everywhere that he was going. How much more fun it probably would have been to follow Jesus around watching him do miracles. But Jesus said to him, what I want you to do is where you are. Tell the testimony of who you are now. Proclaim freedom. Proclaim what you were to who you are. Proclaim that now you get to walk in the freedom that comes in Christ. And it makes me think about the woman at the well and how when she sat there and she spoke with Jesus and the truth of her life encountered the truth walking around in 
flesh, she too experienced the freedom of Christ and ran back to her city and began to declare, let me tell you about who I just met. Because our freedom pushes us to be those who declare who Christ is. And when the truth of your life encounters the truth of who Jesus is, the next responsible thing, the next actual thing to do is to run out and say, let me tell you of the freedom that I have found in Jesus. Not just a freedom of my liberty, not just a freedom of a right to vote, not just a freedom to say what I want to say, not just a freedom to live where I want to live, a freedom that gets deep down on the inside of me, a freedom that untangles every snare that tries to bind me, a freedom that sets my spirit open and up and lifts me into the presence of God, and then I stand firm in the freedom that he has brought me into. All it takes is one encounter with Jesus to experience the salvation of freedom. All it takes is to be freed by him because Jesus came to free all who will believe in him. He came to be a distributor and a minister of freedom for our here and for our now, for your life, to free you in a moment to walk in his continual freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus' purpose in coming, he announces why he came in Luke 4. And when he announces why he came as, as a kind of a declaration of this is what my ministry is going to be about, he also gives us a declaration of who we ought to be as his people. Because he says, as you have seen me walk around, as you have seen me do, this is what I am leaving with you to do to also be distributors of freedom. We see it in Luke 4 and in 17. Jesus goes into the temple and he picks up the scrolls, he picks up the holy scriptures of the Jews at that time and he finds a passage out of Isaiah and he reads it. In Luke 17, it starts like this. It says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, him being Jesus, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is what Jesus came to do and he left it then with us to do the same, to be those who to declare the good news of who he is and to proclaim freedom to every captive, to recover sight that those who are blind might see his marvelous ways and to set the oppressed free. And then to proclaim that we are walking in his favor to proclaim that we are walking under the favor of his presence when he sets us into freedom walking into his freedom is walking into the favor of who god is that his favor covers you that it goes before you that it makes a path for you 
I know that there have been moments in this year in particular where you wondered, where is the favor of God? Where is the presence of God? Has he really gone before me? Is he really guarding all around me? But it's important that we remember that even in our moments of pressing, even in our moments of stress, even in our moments of uncertainty, even in the moments where we feel despair, that his favor is still there for us, that his favor still goes before you. I want you to hear so clearly today that it's for freedom that Christ has set you free and that in that freedom is his presence. His presence brings favor over your life. And I want you to walk in the favor of the freedom that he has called you to, church. Not being drawn back to everything that tries to entangle us, but walking as those children of the light in the favor of who he is. If you'll stand with me right where you are, we're gonna sing this today, but I just wanna speak a blessing over you, over you online, over you in this room, to hear so clearly, to say to you, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he establish you. If it's not too much liberty, I'm going to add, may he establish you in his freedom today. Amen? A freedom that releases every captive. I hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.